I was an odd kid. Not in the crazy, sociopathic way that made me want to light animals on fire and murder my parents, but I viewed the world with little to no excitement. I simply went with the crowd. I, I didn't care. I couldn't. Nothing truly interested me. Of course, I laughed at things that were funny. I, I cried when I was sad, but at the end of it all, I just carried on. I didn't have many dreams, uh, hopes, uh, aspirations. Uh, even though I was young, I had the I'll-figure-it-out-when-I-get-there mentality. I was bored. All the time. Day after day passed. Year after year went on. Boredom tormented me every second. I began to forget faces, uh, forget names, forget memories on purpose. They held no meaning for me. Person after person who came up to me, uh, who gave me a hearthy hello, uh, who introduced themselves as this person, and they just blurred together. I tried to shake it off at first, but then I just decided why I should even bother. Uh, why should I use my energy to speak to someone who I didn't want to talk to? I couldn't grasp onto a single piece of my life, uh, my surroundings, uh, my own self, and my place in this world. I lost all sense around me, and my only desire to feel the time pass by, for another day to come and go, again and again. Hey! I felt the tap on my shoulder during my first period class. Sophomore year during the harshest winter of the year, I turned around to see a student I didn't recognize. Uh, of course I didn't. I didn't seem to recognize anybody these days, but... He caught my attention. The boy was handsome in a way that could be easily overlooked. He was wearing a sly expression on his face, a, a mouth teasing into a smile. His eyes were a bright green, I noticed. There was silence, but he was still staring at me with that half-smile. Uh, what? I asked. I nearly flinched when I heard how sharp my tone was. I sometimes forgot how to talk to people. Uh, sorry, uh, what do you want? I cleared my throat and felt my face burn a little. The boy finally smiled fully. A small chuckle escaped him. He raised his hand again, slowly, his finger an inch away from my shoulder as if he wanted to tap me again. I wasn't sure if I should just ignore him, but something told me not to. He was also odd, but in his own way. For the first time in a while, someone caught my attention, and I didn't know why. What's your name? His voice wasn't anything special, but he had a way of slowing down his speech in an ear-tantalizing way, making sure that you were gripping to his every word. It had a flowing, almost musical tone to it. I opened my mouth before closing it. I unconsciously began fidgeting with my pencil. I, I, Ben, I stammered. What was wrong with me? My face was burning. I tried to subtly cover my cheek with a hand to cover up how red it was. Uh, ben, as in Benjamin. Can I call you that? The boy asked me, lazily moving his hand away from me. The setting sun made his red hair glow a little brighter. It looked like flames. He looked beautiful. Sh sure, I nodded. I couldn't understand it, but he seemed to have an unending amount of confidence, or maybe he just didn't care. He looked as bored as I was, but... Unlike me, who was waiting for something interesting, he decided to take action. Who's that? He pointed to the girl sitting in front of me. I don't know. I responded sheepishly. I wasn't lying. Oh, what a shame. He sighed loudly. 
his deep, dark eyes slowly dragging back to me. After a few seconds, he laughed softly, waving my hand in front of my face as if to catch my attention. I realized I was staring, and my face began to burn again. He leaned forward, cupping a hand over his mouth so only I could see what he was saying. Benjamin. His voice was a deep rumble, a whisper. Are you bored? I blinked, taken aback. Yes, I replied. The boy smiled. Who was he? He was such a bizarre character, I was absolutely fascinated. Benjamin, he said, slowing down his sentences even more, the last letter of his every word swinging upwards in a sing-song tone. Can you be my friend? Wait, what's your name? I changed the subject. Would you even remember it, Benjamin? The boy pouted. He was acting silly, but his voice was deep and scalding. I paused a few seconds, trying to comprehend what his entire conversation was. Of course I would, I said, trying to act naive. I wasn't even sure I could if I tried. Hmm, I'll hold you to that. But not now. The boy raised his hand out more and touched my shoulder over again. Do you believe in the supernatural, Benjamin? He asked, focusing on the shoulder that he was poking. Why was I letting him do this? No, I, I don't. Um, can you? I pointed at his hand, which was still on my shoulder. His sly expression dropped to a more disappointed one. Sorry, I blurted out. His eyes snapped to me, suddenly brightening. He pulled his hand back. You don't believe in anything? Ghosts, vampires, ghouls, shapeshifters? He asked. No. Please? Please? I repeated in utter confusion. Are you a ghost or something? The boy shook his head, before sighing loudly. I'm a little different from a ghost. Something told me he wasn't lying. I, I wished he was, but that look in his eyes. Uh, well, uh, what are you? I'm a parasite, he murmured softly, his eyes downcast. He brushed back his hair, his fingers tangled in a few golden strands. He smiled once again, but this time it was warmer. It was more sincere. I'm looking for a host. What are you talking about? I raised a brow. He was definitely just crazy and nothing else. Crazy people were nothing new. I, I internally rolled my eyes, ready to ignore, ready to ignore his words. Benjamin. If you think you're going to forget me, then you got another thing coming. He frowned. I nearly flinched at his tone. It was harsh, angry. His mouth was curled up into a snarl. Excuse me. I don't know why, but that anger, I saw it. It produced such an intense fear that I nearly wanted to run. The moonlight and the darkness filtering through the window made that fear ever more visceral. I'm kidding, Ben. That bright side was back, but my fear remained, although deteriorating by the second. You're my friend. You could never forget me. He touched my shoulder again, the summer sun beating on my face only making me feel safer. Strangely, summer suited the boy's soft features so well. He reminded me of a puppy. Um, I think class ended. I, I should go. 
I said in a rushed tone, trying to brush his hand away. I didn't care how calm and sweet his expression was. I, I was getting creeped out. It didn't, he assured me. But I looked around the classroom. It was empty. The desk shoved in the back and the chairs stacked on top of one another in the corner. Since when? No, no one's here, I muttered, accidentally spilling out my shock. Of course no one's here. The boy reached his hand farther and brushed through my hair. I smacked his hand away. He looked hurt, his face glowing in the sun rays shining through the window. Who are you? I snapped, getting up quickly. My head began to ache, and I held on to my desk to regain my balance. The boy remained seated, his sharp features getting even more taut. His cold eyes bored into my very soul. His arms shot out at an inhuman speed, snapping my wrist. Where are you, Benjamin? He asked. I couldn't see his face very well. The night sky was above us both, but the stars were barely even visible through the trees. I stepped back. Where was I? I looked around, my head feeling like it was about to be ripped apart. My sneakers crunched on leaves on the ground. It looked like I was in the woods in the dead of night. There was no sign of human life around us, except for the two of us. Except for me. I unconsciously reached for my phone in my pocket. Who are you going to call? Your friends? The boy laughed harshly, his face tightening, his bones pressing his skin. I'm a parasite, Benjamin. I warned you. The moonlight sifted through the tree leaves. Every crevice and indent of his face was contrasted darkly with the features of his skin that were lit by the moon. Uh, I couldn't even see his eyes. Let. I tried to pull my arm away from his grasp, and to no avail. You know, Benjamin, I feast on thoughts. I feast on you. On your every perception of reality. I have utter control of you. He chuckled before his jaw clenched. But I don't like you. You're disgusting. Your memories are altered already. Uh, your reality is something I can't grasp. To think I could only hold your attention for five minutes before resorting to force. You're a spoiled piece of food, Benjamin. What the hell are you talking about? I yelled. His grip was so tight I could see my circulation was being cut off. My hand was turning a deep purple. You can't remember anything around you. You live such an isolated life. It's... it's pathetic. He snarled. His skin was getting thinner. It was like half a ply of tissue paper stretched over his bones. You can't even remember what I look like, right? What? Could I? What's my name, then, Benjamin? You never told me, I yelled. I didn't. Or did you just cut that out of your memories, like you cut everything else out of your life? He hissed, pulling me closer to him. You're unreliable, Benjamin. Live your life like this, there are creatures worse than me who'd find you as a delicacy. I couldn't respond, and my breath caught in my throat. Good luck. I never want to meet you again. I found tears rolling down my face, and a loud gasp escaped me. Are you okay? The girl sitting across from me turned around to face me, her expression filled with worry. 
I was back in the classroom on a cold winter day, a sophomore year, first period. I stared at her, not even bothering to wipe my tears away. I couldn't move, each breath of mine heaving and harsh. I don't know if I can change, but I want to. I, your name is Abigail, right? Todd and I worked together at a small app development company. We were both coders who had put ourselves through a boot camp after failing in other fields, and we both liked to get beers after work. Our commonalities ended there, but they were enough that on most Fridays and the occasional weeknight, I found myself seated in the stool beside him at Glenn's. Glenn's was your typical bar, uh, beer signs and liquor posters, uh, complimentary to salty popcorn, uh, domestics on tap, uh, Christmas lights perpetually wrapped around the back bar, uh, an old pool table that drew the same crop of blue-collar guys. Uh, it was a comfortable place for us to complain about our boss and talk shit about our co-workers. Unless there were hot women there without boyfriends, uh, then it wasn't so comfortable. My abuela had taught me long ago that most women actually prefer to be left alone. You can try to politely strike up a conversation, sure, but... If she doesn't seem that into you, sit the hell down and move on. But Todd... Todd was one of those guys. A pesterer. A harasser, sometimes. That was the primary reason why Todd would never become more than a post-work drinking buddy. This one night at Glenn's, I noticed him oogling a thirty-something woman who had sat down at the opposite end of the bar with some kind of whiskey and a book. She was pretty and also very absorbed in her book. Todd seemed to ignore the latter fact as he eyed her. She's not interested, I said. Uh, what? Uh, that woman. She's not interested, Todd. Oh, yeah. How would you know? What woman comes to a bar to read alone? He asked. That one, I said. She's not looking around. She's not dressed to impress. She's just reading. She's not here to meet a dude. Well, I'm still going to try. Todd said. Maybe after she finishes her first drink, uh, what's the worst that could happen? She could be a patasola. A what now? A patasola, I said. Uh, my whale used to tell me about them. Uh, she appears as a beautiful woman who lures men into secluded places so she can drink their blood. Uh, in reality, she's not a woman, but a monster with one leg that ends in a hoof. That's what a patasola means. Uh, one foot. You're a weird guy, Nick, Todd said. But I don't think one of your one-foots would be hanging out at Glenn's. That's true. Abuela said they're usually found in nature. I mused. But, you know, most cultures have a type of patasola. In Ireland, Todd was not interested and took that as his clue to talk to the woman. I'm not sure what awful pickup line he used, but she visibly shrunk away from him and kept trying to look back at her book. After a minute or two, Todd finally left her alone. I wondered if I should have intervened. I wondered that a lot, but Todd was Todd. He'd usually give up or get kicked out without my help. That was last December. In March, Glenn's had to shut down and our work moved remotely. I didn't see Todd anymore except on Zoom, and neither of us cared to keep our drinking traditions online. In fact... I found I didn't drink much at all. But as the months dragged on, I got about as lonely as anyone would. 
So when Todd asked if I wanted to catch up somewhere outdoors, I said sure. We met at a park between our respective apartments. Uh, Todd brought a paper bag full of beers. I pulled my face mask down to sip on one as we took the walking path deeper into the woods. Thanks for asking to hang, I said. I honestly haven't really seen anyone in months now. Except delivery drivers, I guess. Yeah, same man. I mean, I still hook up on Tinder, but we only go to each other's houses, he said. That doesn't sound very safe, I said. What, I'm gonna just not get laid for like a year? I haven't, I said. Not that I'm bragging. Exactly, Todd said. I had started seeing someone a few months before lockdown, but it fizzled out as case counts rose. I still had all my dating apps, but the conversations went nowhere now. It had been, like I said, a lonely year. As we drew deeper into the woods, a buzz came on, and I found myself kind of having fun. Todd kept up with my low tolerance with swigs from a flask of whiskey he had in his jacket. As soon, we were both flushed in the face. As we crunched over the dead leaves, we laughed about all the things we couldn't do anymore. I complained about our co-workers who didn't know how to use Zoom and traded stories about all the times we'd logged into important meetings and dress shirts and snow pants. It was nice to be in someone's company, even if it was Todd's. Until, again, there was a woman. This one sat on a bench, uh, set a bit back from the path. Her dark hair nearly blend in with the black wool of her coat. Uh, she seemed very much at peace. Her gloved hands folded in her lap. Even though no one was around, she wore a red face mask over her mouth and nose. I wonder what she's... Todd began. Oh, come on, man. I muttered. What? I'm just wondering what she's doing out here alone. Getting out of the house she's probably been trapped in for months, just like us? I suggested. He began swaggering towards her as I rolled my eyes and moved towards her bench's matching partner on the opposite side of the path. I busied myself studying the small, shiny plaque letting me know what kind of benefactor had paid for this public seating. Good evening, I heard Todd say. Lovely day, isn't it? She must have nodded because soon Todd was blathering on about how he was loving the brisk weather. I turned back to see he'd sat down next to her and she'd scooted all the way to the other side of the bench. Todd hadn't even bothered to adjust his mask, which now hung from one ear. The woman flashed me a look. I knew that look. The get-your-friend-out-of-my-face look. I went to Mao that sorry, as I often did, but remembered that she wouldn't be able to see me as my mask was, unlike Todd's, on properly. I bet you're really beautiful under your mask, Todd said. I know, I know, uh, COVID, but how about just, like, one smile? For me. This is the first time I left my house in, uh, seriously, months. She shook her head. She looked at me again, pleading. Oh, come on. If I promise to stand six feet away... I think it'd be better if I didn't, she said. What, are you secretly ugly? Todd asked. I bet not, though, right? I bet you're just afraid you'll stun me with your beauty. God, Todd, he was the fucking worst. For as much fun as I was having a moment ago talking to a human being, it really had been nice to go months without being embarrassed to be friends with a complete jackass. Had I really missed Todd? No. 
Turns out I could only miss Todd in the complete absence of all other people. This is the last time I'm going to say no, she said sternly. She looked at me again. This time it wasn't pleading. It was threatening. Come get your friend, I stood. Todd, I yelled. He ignored me, pouting at the woman as she sat remarkably still, her eyes growing narrow. How many times had I watched him do this at a bar? How many times had I watched a bouncer advise him to return to his seat? How many times had I awkwardly apologized for his behavior, only to return to the very same bar with him again? Todd, please, let's go, I said. She doesn't want to smile for you, you weirdo. Todd looked at me this time. He snorted at me and said, See, now this is why you're the one that hasn't gotten laid since March. February, I thought to myself. But before I could correct him, he reached into his jacket for the flask he definitely didn't need and eyed the woman again. Okay, just one smile and I'll go. And you can even have some of my whiskey. He teetered a bit as he unscrewed the flask. The woman looked at me and shrugged. She stood and unhooked her mask from her ears, crumpling the silky material in one hand. For a moment, she was just what Todd had predicted. A beautiful woman. She smiled. There we go, Todd rejoiced. But she kept smiling. Her mouth just kept stretching until her teeth were forced apart by its width. As her mouth yawned open, it was as though the top of her head was only connected to the bottom half by the corner of her jaw. It tipped backwards, whilst her lower jaw continued to drop and extend, not unlike the ramp that extends from a docked boat. At the same time, her teeth multiplied, more jamming in and wedging into the growing spaces like, like kernels of popcorn, each one slick and sharp. Todd was no longer rejoicing. He yammered incomprehensibly, befuddled and terrified. His flask clattered to the ground as he stood before her, rooted in place. I didn't fare much better myself. I, I just stood there. Again, I thought to myself, I was doing the very thing I was just admonishing myself about when it came to Todd and women. But this time it was because I was terrified of her, not embarrassed of him. I didn't have much time to ponder the juxtaposition, though. She took a single step, coming chest to chest with her harasser. Her already slender neck seemed to stretch, and then the top of her head snapped up and around in a single fluid motion, and she... She bit off his entire head. When she stepped back, Todd stood still. Headless, blood gushing from the place where his head used to be. I could hear the crunch of what I presumed was his skull shattering in her mouth. But I was too busy staring at Headless Todd as he slowly sank to his knees and then to the ground. When I became aware of the woman again, she was back to normal, save the blood that now coated much of her front. I told him I didn't want to smile for him, she said simply. She put her mask back on then reached down and grabbed one of his arms. Sorry about your friend, she said, as she began to drag him off the path. He's not really my friend, I said habitually. It's what I'd always say. Oh, she said. Well, good riddance. 
she walked into the woods, Todd's corpse smearing a trail of blood behind her. I'm not sure the moment I lost sight of her. Uh, she may have just disappeared. Uh, all I know is, uh, once I realized I could no longer see her, I... I just... ran. In the days that followed, I pretended I didn't know where Todd was when he didn't log into work. I kept expecting the news to talk about the unfortunate jogger that came across Todd's headless body. Then the police, who'd say they'd check his phone and knew I was the last person to see him alive, but it never happened. His body was never found, and no one seemed to care. The woman I saw was obviously not a pastolia. She had two legs, even when she changed. But you should know there are several other kinds of monsters that are very similar to the Pastolia. The Tunda, the Baboja Sith, the Galiste. Uh, most of the stories tell of monsters who transform into beautiful women to lure men to their deaths. But now I have to wonder, what if the stories are all wrong? Maybe these lady monsters, uh, just like the woman reading her book in the bar, uh, just wanted to be left alone. <laughs>